it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Well, welcome in everybody to the GC Live Afternoon Drive. It is Thursday, October 19th, 2023, and the Gamecocks are on the road this weekend as they head to Missouri trying to not just get back in the win column, but trying to do everything they can to remain bowl eligible. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of people that hear me say that, and they're going to be like, I don't want to go to Birmingham. I don't want to go to the some crap bowl game. I understand that. But when you look at the roster and you look at the just the youth on this team, being able to get 15 extra practices certainly would be massive for this program moving forward. Having said all that, we will do what we do every week, which is we'll lead off with the keys of the game, which we release Thursday morning on Gamecock Central for our subscribers. If you want to see a deeper look into that, you can head on over to Gamecock Central. If you're not a subscriber today, sign up. $1 for the first month, or you can sign up and take advantage of our Game Week special, 50% off for the entire year. And with football season hitting the midway point of the season, that means basketball is right around the corner. We're less than three weeks away from games tipping off. SEC Media Days just took place. For the men's team, I believe uh, for women's coming up as well. But basketball season's right on the corner too. So you get advantage of all that. Plus, something that's kind of been going under the radar is Mark Kingston and the baseball team have done a phenomenal job as far as recruiting goes. So if you want to go check all that stuff out, you get that. Plus, all your football coverage year-round when it comes to recruiting. Having said all that, having said all that, I should have said this before we get into our keys. Going to do something a little bit different today to lead off. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk about Tommy Moody. I will have some more comments today on 107.5 The Game when I hop on around 4.30 with Jay Phillips and Terry Ford. But um, the news came shortly after we got off air on Tuesday night on GC Live. And the um, the devastating news of losing Tommy Moody and Many of you have paid attention to Gamecock baseball for many, many years. You know exactly who Tommy is. Um, obviously a pillar in the Gamecock baseball community, but a pillar in the Gamecock community, and he will surely be missed. Someone that you didn't even have to know him for that long. I mean, shoot, I've only known him since 2016, and I would have uh, – I mean, I was talking to Jay Phillips today. felt like I've known Tommy for over two decades just because – that's how he made you feel. So uh, thoughts and prayers going out to the Moody family and everyone that was close to Tommy. And uh, for those of you that want to celebrate his life, there'll be a celebration of life at Founders Park on Monday at 2 o'clock. I'm sure we'll see plenty of baseball players, current and former players, and not just baseball players, but former athletes as well out there. And I'm sure it'll be a beautiful tribute. Having said all that, 
Tommy would be the first one to say the show must go on. And I know that baseball was his first love, but he paid attention to all Gamecock sports. And this week in South Carolina has a very, very difficult challenge as they travel to Columbia, Missouri. For whatever reason, in the last couple of years, it feels like that has been a place. I mean, we talked about it last year with Kentucky. But for whatever reason, that has been a place that USC has just struggled to find a way to win at. This weekend, it doesn't get any easier with the way that Missouri has been playing this season. They had a difficult loss a couple weeks ago um, to LSU, 49-39. Bounced back with a win last week against a Kentucky team who at least heading into that game, despite a loss the previous week to Georgia, for the beginning of the year, Kentucky won two, three, four, five, five and 0 oh. Now we can sit here and nitpick some of the games they've played as far as competition goes. But point being is 5-0 and team, Kentucky, and they lose their last two games. Missouri was able to beat them in Kentucky. So the Tigers are feeling pretty good about themselves. 6-1 and on the year, 2-1 and in conference play. They have a bye coming up before they play Georgia in two weeks. And Florida's schedule is a gauntlet. There's a lot of gauntlets. Gamecocks have a, a gauntlet of a schedule to close out the year. But when you look at what Missouri has as well coming out of the bye week, you got to go to Georgia, you play Tennessee, you play Florida, and then you end the year with an Arkansas team who, boy, they've had some uh, some hiccups as well. But you don't know what they're fighting for when it comes to that last game. You never know what could happen those last that last week of the season. Having said all that, this is a Missouri team that has been playing some good football. And certainly USC has been going in the opposite direction, coming off a disappointing loss, especially when you talk about their defense. And the focus today when we talk about the keys of the game are going to be all on the defensive side. As I put this note out, on social media about the show. So let's get right into the keys. Let's get right into the keys of the game this week. You know, number one, creating turnovers. The crazy thing is when you look at what South Carolina did in the first two years in the Shane Beamer era, Clayton White era, as far as being the defensive coordinator, whatever way you want to look at it, they were creating turnovers left and right. Led the SEC in takeaways two years ago. Last season, I believe they were second in the conference. This season, not just looking at it from a conference standpoint, but just looking at it from a national standpoint, South Carolina is tied for 93rd in the country for takeaways. They only have seven. Think about that. Seven takeaways through six games. That's actually, again, 93rd, but they're tied with 13 other teams there. So I say that because when we talk about South Carolina football, especially over the last two years heading into this season, I think the first thing that comes to mind is the way that they've been able to play special teams. But when you talk about Beamer ball, and there's an awesome clip 
from maybe, I don't know, 20 plus years ago, one of the coaching conventions, and Frank Beamer's talking, Shane's father, and he was asked, what does Beamer ball mean to you? And then when Shane was named head coach back in December of 2020, he was asked a similar question. And his answer was very similar, which is it's opportunistic style of play in terms of when you're on the field, it's not just special team. It's not just special teams. It's not just defense. It's offense obviously as well, but it's being able to know that when you're on the field, you have the ability to score at any given time. So I say those things because when you're not taking the ball away, right? We could talk about special teams. That's its own little issue at, at times this season in terms of the consistency, especially at the level that they play the last two years. When you're not being able to create turnovers, you're not going to be able to do those things that Shane talked about. You're not going to be able to do those things that Frank Beamer talked about 20 years ago when we talk about Beamer ball. Burley says, I've seen no Beamer ball this season. The Steel Curtain says, damn, that's terrible. We got to be better than that with forcing more, more turnovers. Yeah. And the other part about that, too, is, and there's been a lot of talk about nickel play this week, and I'll get into that. Because yesterday during media availability, all the coordinators meet. You have Pete Lembo, you have Clayton White, you have Dal Loggins. And the question that I asked Clayton White was specifically about the nickel position with having Nick Eamon Worry there. And we'll get into that. So I hear you. I hear what people have been saying. And I've always said this, that the media's job is to be an extension of the fan base so that we can relay your thoughts and opinions. Now, not, we're not going to really relay everything. I think, you know, Clayton isn't dumb. He knows that people are pretty ticked off right now with how the defense is going. I don't have to state the obvious, but you know, there's certain things that you can look at and you wonder, okay, why is this the case? So we'll get into that as well. But having said all that, having said all that, one thing that really stood out to me, and this is a combination of not just the first key of the week, talking about creating turnovers, but kind of foreshadowing the second key, which is creating more attacks for a loss and sacks. The similarity that you'll notice that I'll mention here is when you look at the snaps that South Carolina has faced as a defense over the last two weeks, okay? They faced 86 snaps last week against Florida. And then two weeks ago, they faced 74 against Tennessee. Now, I shared this in the story on Clayton White, shared this on the keys as well today, and I'll show you guys just a little bit of it. And again, if you're not a subscriber to Gamecock Central, head on over, take advantage of the $1 deal, and you'll be able to see more of this. But take a look at this. This is, this is something I found interesting. Look at the number of snaps Marcellus Style and DQ Smith and even... O.D. Fortune and Nick Eamon Worry played this past weekend against Florida. 86 snaps again. 86 snaps. Just mentioning that again. Marcellus and D.Q. played both. Uh, played all of them, excuse me. Both of them played all of the snaps. O.D. came out for two plays. Nick, six. Even Jalen Kilgore getting a good run. And then as you slide down and you look at the Tennessee game, 74 snaps as a defense. Three played every snap. O.D. Fortune played nearly all of them. And Nick Eamon Worry was right up there as well, 69 of the 74 snaps. So I bring this up because when we're talking about the inability to create turnovers, 
as well as, again, I'll get into creating more sacks, creating more TFLs, but specifically talking about turnovers right now, when you're not able to create turnovers, you're going to have to play more plays, especially when you're not getting the stops that South Carolina wasn't able to get the other night. Florida converted three of four fourth down conversions. That's another issue. That goes without saying. But when you're not able to create these turnovers and you don't have, and we've talked about this at nauseam, it feels like, when you're not able to have those younger players ready to go quite yet, and maybe we'll start to see more of those younger players on defense. There's already, shoot, I think we did this did, did this exercise on Tuesday night on GC Live, the number of younger players out there. I know from an offensive standpoint, from this past week, between freshmen and sophomores, five of the 18 uh, players, or there's five that played. Five of the 18 were sophomores or freshmen. Defensively, there were, shoot, there was more than that. I can tell you that much. I don't have the exact number in front of me from the other night. Dess is a mess right now. But the point being is they're playing younger players on defense. They just don't have the depth. They don't have the depth right now. And that's that happens. I understand the frustration where some are going to say, oh, it's the coach's job. Yes, but at the same time, too, some players come along quicker than others, right? I mean, you look back to last season. I mean, you, you can't always have it both ways. Last season, you have a guy like Nick Eamon-Worry and DQ Smith, and I'm using them as examples just because – Freshman All-American men's, right? And what they were able to do. Not every freshman is going to be able to come in here right away. And I know that no one's saying, like, hey, well, you know, they, they need to be playing at that level right away. But some freshmen aren't going to be able to come right in and make a difference right away. It takes some time for some. It's a process. You know, not true apples to apples, but when you look at the situation with Nicholas Harbor, and Harbor spoke earlier this week, first time that he spoke, I think, since the beginning of the season. And we've talked about it on this program. We've talked about it on other GC Live shows. We've talked about it on the radio, and Shane Beamer's talked about it. And we've all said the same thing, which is there's a process with Nick. Nick was banged up towards the end of preseason camp. Nick's making the jump from playing defensive end slash tight end in high school to now playing wide receiver in college. And not just in college, but in the SEC. He was a five-star athlete. He wasn't a five-star wide receiver coming out of high school. And there's been a process. And as Nick talked about on Tuesday, when he went into that North Carolina game for the first time, his first collegiate action, he said there was that woe feeling that he got of going out there. And things were much faster. And he had to take a step back. And he's had to slow down a little bit. You know, he said that he admitted that when he got here, he figured, all right, be able to come in and put up 100-yard games each week and everything's going to be great. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he, what he was talking about on Tuesday. And he realized, hey, I got to slow down a little bit. And we've seen him play more and more and more as the season's gone on. I wrote this down the other day, but when you look at the three previous games leading up to the Florida game, Nicholas Harbor at wide receiver, he appeared on offense in 26 snaps. This past week, he played 28 snaps. He's seeing more snaps on offense. Now, 
there's always going to be that wise guy out there that's going to say, oh, they're not throwing the ball enough to him. Again, it's a process. It's not a video game. You're not playing John Madden football here. You just throw a guy out there and everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's a process. And his confidence is continuing to get bigger and stronger, all that, all that stuff that you need. I bring that up, though, because that's Nicholas Harbor. You flip it to the defensive side, and there's a lot of talented guys that South Carolina has brought have brought in over the last two years. But some of those guys, it's going to take them some time. And that's one of the issues why when you're not creating the turnovers, and again, heading into the second key of the week, when you're not being able to get to the, the sacks and not being able to have the amount of tackles for a loss that you need, it's really going to kill you. It's really going to kill you. Um, I mentioned the creating more tackles for a loss in sacks this weekend. Something that stood out to me is through the six games that South Carolina has played, they only have 13 sacks, 13. Of those 13 sacks, seven took place in either the Furman or the Mississippi State game. So what's that leave you with? Six sacks in the other four games. I bring this up because, and we can use the Florida game just since it's the most recent game. When you're not able to finish the pressures that you're putting on the quarterback, when you're sending the amount of blitzes that South Carolina did the other night, when you're not doing that, it's going to put more strain on your secondary. And when you see some of those numbers, again, I'll pull it up again. When you're seeing the amount of snaps that some of your players are playing in the secondary, again, because you don't have the depth right now. You just don't. A lot of inexperience in the secondary. It happens at certain positions. This year, it's happening in the secondary. It's happening at linebacker as well because of an injury that took place in the first game of the season. But I bring this up because it all goes hand in hand. If you're not able to get to the quarterback and finish when the blitzes are there, as we saw last week, there was multiple opportunities, especially in that fourth and 10 situation. I think it was DQ that came off the edge and lost contain. And Florida's quarterback was able to get to the outside. And at some point, I don't care who's in the secondary. We can sit here and make a big fuss about Nick Eamon Worry playing nickel. And again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we'll get into that because I asked Clayton White about that on Wednesday. But regardless of who's in your secondary, if you're sending blitzes and you're playing zero coverage, which is man-to-man with no free safety over the top, at some point, the coverage will break down. I don't care who's in your secondary. You can have a dream team of a secondary. If you're not able to get to the quarterback, your secondary is only going to be able to hold them up for as long as they can. At some point, the coverage is going to break down. So I bring this up because, again, we talk about creating turnovers, more turnovers. We talk about being able to have those tackles for a loss and sacks, right? That's going to do multiple things. One thing that's going to do is it's going to help out the defense by hopefully being able to get them off the field. So they don't have to be playing, again, 
Marcella Style, DQ Smith, they don't have to play 86 for 86 snaps on defense. Or the week before that, or two weeks, excuse me, because we had the bye week in between. Marcella Style, Jalen Kilgore, DQ Smith, playing 74 for 74 of the defensive snaps against the Vols. That's one of the issues. That's one of the issues. So, again, being able to create turnovers, helping yourself out, getting up off the field, but when you're able to finish the press, the pressures and the blitzes, it's going to cover up some of the stuff that we've seen in the secondary. Because I get it, and I see Steel Curtain, and we can go through some of these other comments from people. Uh, Banks and Spalding need more snaps at nickel. Spalding has been, and I don't want to crap on people, but I mean, Spalding was starting at nickel a couple years ago, and then he lost out to a guy who transferred in from a Division II school in Carlin's Patel. So Spalding has had his opportunities over the years. Now, I'm not at practice every day, but if a guy has, was, was starting at that position three years ago and he's not doing it now, there's a reason why. There's a reason why they don't trust him as much. There's not that consistency factor. That's what that's what I, it stands out to me. I don't care if it's South Carolina. I don't care if it's Ben Lippin High School. If a player has been there and he was starting at that position three years ago, especially for a defense that was you know been having success over the last two years with creating turnovers, why hasn't he been able to be in that spot, especially if things aren't going the way that they need him to right now? Some of that has to do with the fact of, again, the trust. But I also think, too, as I mentioned, you need to be able to finish these blitzes. If you're sending blitzes, you need to be able to finish it because I don't care who's in the secondary. I really don't. I really don't care who's in the secondary. If you're blitzing and you're not able to keep contained like South Carolina wasn't able to last week against Florida, and it wasn't just DQ on that play last week against Florida, we can go back throughout the course of the season. You can find different plays to point to. They need, they need to make sure they do a better job of that. And lastly, talking about keys of the of the game this week, and then we'll get into some of your thoughts because I know you guys are already sending some stuff in. Um, stay in the fight. You know, there was a quote by Clayton on Wednesday, yesterday, that really stood out to me, and that quote was, I think our guys are continuing to stay in the fight, stay in the grind, and just doing a good job of understanding where teams may attack us. Again, I understand the frustration from the fan base when it comes to the defense and in particularly with White. But as far as players are concerned, they need to ignore everything that's being said. And that's so difficult. It's so friggin' difficult, especially when every college kid has one of these. Um, mommy, daddy, their uncle, whoever, brother, sister, friend, girlfriend, People know what's being said about Clayton White. People know what's being said about the defense. That's going to get relayed back to them in some shape, way, or form. They need to ignore all that. They need to continue to stay in the fight, block out the noise. And I know to some people it's going to be like, well, yeah, that's what they should be doing. Friggin', some of these kids are 18, 19 years old. It's so much easier said than done. And hopefully they're able to do that because at some point this weekend, Adversity is going to hit. Even if South Carolina is fortunate to find a way to win this game this weekend, at some point, adversity is going to hit this defense. 
And how do they respond, especially if it happens early on? If Missouri's first drive or their second drive, whatever the case may be, they go right down the field and they score. How's the defense respond, especially after the week that they've had to deal with? Because, again, they're not dumb. They know what's being said. you got to continue to trust your coaching and everything that you've been taught. Whether you agree with it or not, you have to go with it. Because if one guy's not doing their 111th, the whole defensive scheme just goes out the window. Everything that you're trying to accomplish just goes right out the window. Um, so, again, we'll wait and see how that all plays out. So that's what my three keys are this weekend. Let me know what you guys think as far as keys go, as far as what you'd like to see. This week on Gamecock Central, I really focused just on the defense. Certainly, None of us should take what we saw for granted last week with the offense, but there were a lot of good things that USC did from an offensive standpoint. And a lot of it had to do with the fact that they tweaked up their offensive line. Dow Loggins, I had a chance to ask him yesterday about what went into those decisions and what was the main factor of deciding to tweak the offensive line. And one big thing that he mentioned was the fact that he felt like it created better matchups with body types and body sizes to be able to improve on the run game. So at least the beginning of the game before Vershawn Lee got hurt, this is what you had. Left tackle, you had a Lulatosin Bubalade, big tree. And Tree's been playing that position now for the last couple weeks. Left guard, though, and this is where things start to change, Trey Jones. Nick Gargiulo got bumped from guard to center. Vershawn Lee went from center to right tackle. And Trevon Baugh went from right tackle to right guard. Again, listening to what Dal Loggins had to say, he liked some of the matchups it created in the run game. And they were able to do a good job. Mario Anderson, the vision just continues to improve each week. He's looking more and more comfortable. He's sounding more and more comfortable when he's at the podium as well. And oh, by the way, we keep saying this, but for whatever reason, we still have a couple knuckleheads that just goes in one ear out the other. So we'll just continue to put the PSA out there. Mario Anderson has another year of eligibility left if he chooses to use it. And I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't. So Mario has the ability to come back to South Carolina next year. And with what he's doing right now, you want to talk about being able to gain confidence. My goodness. My goodness. Another phenomenal game by Anderson the other night. He's doing good things, not just on the ground. He's doing good things as well as a pass blocker with pass protection. And we talked about that at the beginning of the year. One of the reasons why to carry on Joyner was out there as much as he was is because the coaches really trusted him. I mean, they trust him with multiple things, but they trusted him as far as pass protection goes. Mario has improved with that. And when you're able to do other things the way that Mario's able to do them, with the way that he sees the field with his vision, and the fact that he is a running back, right? It's a running back. doesn't matter. You started off at Newberry, D2 school. doesn't matter. He's a running back. And he's showing that. And he did uh, some amazing things the other night, just shy of 100 yards, 98 yards on 20 carries. I think he had, could be off by, you know, five or six yards. So, you know, forgive me, but 
think Mario had 41 or 47 yards on the first four carries of the game. I believe that came all on the first drive of the game for South Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. So they did some good things, and obviously we know what Xavier Leggett is doing and Spencer Rattler, another phenomenal performance last week. Just you're looking just for you're looking you're looking for South Carolina just to continue to have more consistency though. So let us know. Weigh in. Let us know what your thoughts are on this on the keys of the game this week. And uh we'll pop them up. Having said all that, let's see what some of you guys have had to say. Burley says, I think Mario is a highlight of our season. Rattler, X as a wide receiver. I mean, all three of them. All three of them have been really, really good. And I think with Rattler, as we all know, there's things that he can't control, right? He can't control who he's throwing the ball to as far as who's healthy, right? Juice Wells goes down. But and or the offensive line, but he's played at a level that has allowed South Carolina to be in some of these games. I mean, you look back to some of the games early on in the year, even the loss against North Carolina, because of the way that Rattler was playing, he gave USC an opportunity to be able to stay in that game, which was massive. As I have my polar, it's not a beer. Sorry to disappoint anybody. And then, obviously, Xavier Leggett has been playing on a, another friggin' level, and you need that since Juice went down early in the year. Batman Gummy says, I'm so done with losing to Missouri. I hear you on that. I hear you on that, Batman. Regardless of the year that they're having, it is frustrating to see South Carolina, even in years like last year, when you feel like you should beat Missouri, you're not able to get the job done. Can USC mustered up some some magic this weekend and the other Columbia this weekend? Fedra Cooper says turnovers tend to be. Let's see. Turnovers, you may have a bunch one season and then not uh, many the next. That's what it feels like with USC, what's taking place. Like last year and the last two years, like you know, you get not just turnovers, but specifically interceptions in this season. It's like, where are they? Where are they? Now, some of it has to do with the fact, again, that there was a lot of turnover in the in the secondary as far as, you know, starters. You lost Cam Smith. You lost Darius Rush. But at the same time, too, when we see the amount of snaps that some of these defensive backs are having to play because of the lack of proven depth, number one, but number two, their inability to get off the field, um, their inability to create sacks, their inability to – create tackles for a loss, it all goes hand in hand. And I'm not saying that Florida's quarterback was extremely comfortable the other night. I think he got sacked four times maybe. But I bring it up because he was able to still do a lot of things back there, moving around, because some of those blitzes, they weren't able to get the job done when they sent pressures. On the Gators last week. Lynn says, or it should go back, excuse me. K Showtime says, defense got to get off the field because the starter's playing like 70-plus snaps in the secondary. It seems like, yep, we showed the stat. It's crazy, especially over the last two games. 
Again, Marcella Style, DQ Smith. They played all 86 snaps on defense last week. OD Fortune played 84 of the 86. Nick Eamon Worry played 80 of 86. Kilgore, who's done a phenomenal job this year. His number was called on early when Eamon Worry went down against North Carolina. And he's been used a lot. He played 70 of the 86 snaps this past week. And you go back two weeks ago against Tennessee, right before the bye week, 74 snaps on defense. Marcel Style, Jalen Kilgore, DQ Smith, they played all 74 of them. OD Fortune, 71 of the 74 snaps. Nick Eamon Worry, 69 of the 74 snaps face. So there's something to be said about it. I mean, again, talking about video games, this isn't a video game. The longer you keep a player out there, especially when you're talking about mid-70s to even getting into the 80s and mid-80s, guys are going to get exhausted. It's a lot to ask someone, especially when those pressures aren't getting there. But it's not just the pressures. It's the defense as a whole. They have to do a better job of getting off the field. And some of that can be created by creating some turnovers, takeaways. Lynn says, when you have to rely so much on freshmen, it puts you at a disadvantage. And I think that's a part. I'm glad you brought this up, Lynn. And I'm not saying you're specifically talking about this, but it made me think about this the other day. I understand that, and it's not just the fact that they're two and four right now. I mean, people have been saying this for shoot, going back to after week one. You know, why isn't player X, Y, Z? Why why aren't these guys out there? You know, I want to see some of these younger guys out there. Let the younger guys play more. Oh, there's favoritism. Again, the number of freshmen that are playing right now, and not just freshmen, but sophomores too, just because of the lack of proven depth that they have, USC is playing a lot of young guys right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We talked about it from an offensive standpoint. I think the number was five this past game, either freshmen or sophomores that had opportunities to play against Florida. But they're playing a lot of younger guys on defense. This isn't a JV team. This is the SEC, right? I mean, you're not going to be able to just throw out freshmen and sophomores out there to play and have a whole defense of just freshmen and sophomores. Especially at this level where, again, there's been a lot of people that say that, and they're probably some of the first people to say uh, after a a game, like, you know, man, you know, if they they were to lose, why are they losing? Well, they they have so many freaking freshmen out there. There's going to be a lot of – mental errors it's gonna happen we talk about it from an offensive line standpoint right we praised spencer rattler for the mature statement that he made earlier in the year i think it was the week after the georgia game talking about i think it may have been um may have been a uh, big tree i don't know if it was about trevon baugh was one of the two and it may have been big tree and he said something along the lines of you know, I'm not too concerned if he has a, a full start. He didn't allow any sacks against Georgia. But if he has a full start, it's like we can live with that. You know, he's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes. Flip that to the defensive side. What happens when you have multiple younger guys out there? There's going to be mistakes. And I think that's part of the reason why South Carolina is last in the country in pass defense. Again, it's real easy just to point the finger back. Oh, Clayton White, Clayton White. The same Clayton White that for the last two years, a lot of people were praising. 
because of what they were able to do in terms of creating turnovers and what they were able to do heading into the year. I mean, there was things certainly that USC heading into the year you had question marks about. And I'm not even talking about depth. I'm talking strictly about the way that they played with stopping the run. Not not saying that things were perfect with the defense, but through the college football world, at least heading into this year, Clayton White was seen and held in a high regard with the way that he was able to come in here and fix things from a defensive standpoint, especially after where things were a couple of years ago before Shane Beamer got here. Saw this one from the Steel Curtain already. Batman says, I don't think our players are bad on defense. I just don't think Clayton is utilizing them correctly. I think some of it has to do, again, with the fact that they're so thin at certain positions that guys are being forced to play a hell of a lot more than they they should. And we're talking about a lot of these blitzes, right? I think some of the reasons why South Carolina is having to blitz as much as they are is because they have struggled with stopping the run. So you're trying to find ways to make adjustments where, you know, you're creating mismatches up front um, to be able to correct some of those issues, to be able to kind of be like that flex sale and patch things up on the fly. But obviously some of it's not working. And one of the things that I mentioned on Tuesday on GC Live is you know, maybe you have to switch things up and you have to play a little bit more zone. Maybe you have to play a little bit more zone. Simply because if you're playing man-to-man as much as USC did the other night, on top of how much they blitzed, which was, again, as we talked about, 86 defensive snaps, they blitzed over 50% of the time. 50% of the time. And a lot of those blitzes, it was zero coverage. Man-to-man, no free safety over the top. When you do that, Guys are going to be exhausted, especially when those blitzes aren't getting there consistently. So I bring that up because at some point, you know, you could have the best scheme in the world. And I think some of the stuff that USC's defense is doing or what they're trying to do, it's not that it's it's not there. It's just that it's not getting executed. Kind of like the muddle huddle against, shoot, was it Mississippi State a couple weeks ago? Like, you could see it. It was there. Kai's pass just hung in the air too much. It was there, just not executing. And if they're not executing at some point as a defensive coordinator, or any coach for that matter, you got to take a step back and you got to ask yourself, what do we have to do to be able to correct these things? Because even though these things are there, they're consistently having issues with getting the job done. That's where I'd put it back on Clayton, or any coach for that matter. Because there's only so much that he can do as far as, okay, guys aren't executing. But if that's not happening over and over and over again, then you need to take a step back and figure out, okay, what can we do so that if we're in a situation late in the game, fourth quarter, our guys aren't going to be as gassed. Now, it is disappointing, though, at the SE, at the level that they're playing at in the SEC that you send that type of blitz, you have a free guy coming off the edge, and they're not able to contain the way that they need to. Quarterback gets some extra time. And again, and we'll talk about Nick Eamon Worry playing nickel in a little bit, but regardless of who's in the secondary, at some point, even the best corners in the world 
they're not going to be able to stay in coverage forever, especially when there is a blitz coming off the edge and you don't get there. Going Bobby says, do you think we are going uh, to some wildcat this game or season? I don't know if it's the fact that Dell played or is coming from the NFL, excuse me, coached in the NFL as an offensive coordinator. There really hasn't been anything too crazy with the offense. But I also think some of that has to do with two things. One, they've been just trying to correct things as quickly as they can with this offensive line. Right? I mean, after what took place against North Carolina – I don't think you had much time to really get all cutesy and trying to figure out, okay, let's put this wildcat package in. Hey, let's do that. Let's do this. I think it was more so, okay, we have, we have some major issues up front and it wasn't just the offensive line. Some of it was chipping as well, whether it be with your running back, whether it be with your tight ends, but they had a big, big issue as far as pass protection was concerned after week one. So your focus instantly goes towards that. Number two, you have Spencer Rattler. And every time that you put one of these packages out there, whether it be Wildcat, whether it be some type of formation where you don't have Rattler at quarterback, you're taking the ball out of the hands of one of the better players on your team. And not just one of the better players on your team, but a guy that has proven to be one of the best quarterbacks in the country this year. So I think it it's a combination of a couple things. Craig Godwin says, I don't think we have a nickel. Yeah. Again, I think in this will lead me to the conversation that I had with Clayton White yesterday. What I'll do is I'll just play you guys the soundbite. You can hear what Clayton said directly, but um, I didn't get exactly the answer that I was looking for. Um, as far as why we're seeing certain things at the nickel position. Um, But we asked the question. So here was what Clayton White had to say yesterday when I asked him about Nick Eamon Worry playing nickel and what goes into the thought process behind that, um, is it about depth? Is it about whatever the case may be? But, Craig, I, I tend to agree with you. I don't think they trust anyone really in that room to play nickel. I really don't. Not to play it consistently. And when you have Jalen Kilgore playing as well as he's been playing at safety, I'm sure the thought process has been, and again, this is more just making assumptions, but I'm sure the thought process has been, all right, we don't trust certain guys to play nickel right now, which they've been very fortunate. Again, some some of that had to do with the transfer portal in years past, but you have a guy like Spalding that's been here for the last couple of years, and for whatever reason, he hasn't really been able to run with that baton um, since getting here. Lost out to a Division II transfer after starting the year off a couple of years ago. So I bring the, these things up because I think it's, they have more trust with Nick, but I also think too, I also think too, and Clayton gets into it. Some of it has to do with trying to find ways to improve their run defense. 
And with Nick playing nickel, he can be, depending on obviously the formation and all that kind of stuff, but he could be closer to the line of scrimmage to hopefully help them with the run game, which again, I think it's, they go hand in hand. Um, but listening to Clayton, it, it sounds like at least, you know, that was one of the main reasons why, but just take a listen to what Clayton had to say yesterday as far as why Nick's been playing some nickel. I know you guys have a lot of trust in, in Nick and I'm sure some of the issues in the secondary are also being young and just, you know, the lack of experience and he's been matched up a lot in nickel. Is that one of the main reasons why some of those things I just mentioned, or is there some other things, Clayton? Uh, it's, I mean, it's a team defense, you know, like, just like when you're trying to stop the run, we say it's all 11. It's, it's, it's the same thing on the back end. Uh, I mean, the, the rush and the, and, and the coverage go hand in hand. So obviously, you know, some one-on-one battles you have to win, some some zone coverage you got to do great with reading the quarterback. We got to have a great pass rush. We got to run the correct pressures when it's time. It goes hand-in-hand. Hand. It's, it's, it's 11-11. It's 11-guy game. And, uh, we, you know, if more than one guy is not doing a job on a play, it's probably going to be not a great result. So I know for a lot of people out there listening to that, they're probably saying, all right, he didn't answer the question exactly the way you probably was – you were asking it, Mike. But there were some things that I took away from that. And again, I think some of it has to do with the fact of trying to find ways to improve on their run defense. Now, obviously, as we all know, that's great, but they've been getting hurt a lot with their pass defense to a point where USC ranks last in the country in passing yards allowed per game. So it's pick your poison at this point. Um, Again, if the blitzes aren't getting there, I think you have to find a way to help your secondary out, especially if they're playing as many snaps as they are just because of the lack of proven depth and just how thin they are at certain positions, not just in the secondary, but at linebacker as well. Some of those guys are asked to get into coverage at times, whether that be Stone Blanton, Pup Howard, Debo Samuel. But I think mixing it up and playing a little bit more zone can help them out. Um, I'll play another clip from Clayton in a minute talking about some of those pressures and especially like what you do when you're calling as many blitzes as they are, but they're not getting there, how that can impact the way that you call a game. So we'll listen to Clayton briefly on that. Fulbright Jason. Good to have you on. Says, sup, Mike? I hope all this crap with him, meaning Shane Beamer, breaking his foot, doesn't mess with recruiting. I don't think it will. I think it's I think it's blown out of proportion. I mean, put it this way. The fact that you're losing and the fact that you lost the way that they did against Florida the other day, anything that USC does at this point, at least following that game, becomes low-hanging fruit. For anyone to take a shot at. Is Shane Beamer the first coach to ever kick a water cooler? I mean, come on. And I'm not saying this to, to you, Fulbright, but what I'm trying to get at is think how dumb that is that some people are running with this narrative is this, oh my God, you know, God, Shane's got to, you know, maintain his emotions. It's like, no, it's like you see it every friggin' week. I mean, you see clips of it on social media, not just in the college ranks, in the pros. Go look at Bill Belichick. Go look at some of these pro coaches. 
throwing their headphones, throwing tablets, throwing whatever. He kicked a water cooler. Fortunately, he found out the hard way that probably wasn't the best idea to do because he broke his foot. But um, I don't, I don't think it will have any impact as far as that goes. Lynn goes. We have been thin at linebacker for a while now. We just don't have a D line play to cover it up this year, and that's the other issue. And again, I'll play what Clayton had to say about scheme, and because I know there's been some people saying, you know, maybe they should get away from the four-two-five. Talked about this on Tuesday. They don't have the personnel to do a three-four defense or a four-three, especially not this weekend. We don't even know what Stone Blanton's status will be. They're thin at linebacker this year. They became thinner after week one because of injuries. So I bring this up. I bring this up because as I look at the roster here, looking at the, the with linebackers, I mean, Bam's been getting a little bit more action. In practice, we could see him this weekend. Um, but with Mo Kaba going down week one, it's really exposed a room that has just a lot of unproven talent. They got talent, but it's unproven. And when the defensive line's struggling to, again, be able to get to the quarterback, create TFLs, then you have a secondary that's been struggling to stay in coverage as much as you need them to. The linebackers kind of be, kind of become a no man's land a little bit, especially when you're struggling to do, but can't stop the run, can't stop the pass. You're trying to figure out the best way to utilize them. Um, JP says Rattler was kept clean against Florida. That's a good sign. Yeah, JP, I really liked what they did with changing up their offensive line. Now, the question now becomes with Vershawn Lee being, you know, likely being out this weekend. Um, if he can't go, if he can't go this weekend, um, will we see Sidney Hugar back at right tackle? Because he's the one that came in for, Vershawn the other day against Florida. Or do we see someone else? Do we see Wanamaker? Do we see perhaps even Trey Jones get bumped over to right tackle? I think the biggest thing, at least in my opinion, right tackle is a very important position with how USC operates their offense. Because as we've seen many, many times, Rattler likes to roll out to the right side. So you certainly need someone that can give Rattler that extended period of time to not just make a throw, but being able to decide if he wants to take off. And that was something that USC really struggled with against North Carolina because Henry went down with that injury early on, and then it was, shoot, who do we throw in at right tackle? And it wasn't just a right tackle issue that night. I mean, everything was just falling apart for USC. But that's something to keep an eye on this weekend. 
try to answer a couple more questions and we'll wrap up the show. Sale Curtin says, yeah, I'm getting tired of losing to Missouri. They're going to have to pull off the upset somewhere these next two games. It would be even better if it was both of them. Yeah, when, again, when you look at the schedule, and yeah, there's going to be some people that don't want to hear about the – and there's another one, too, talking about so sick of losing to Mizzou. They don't want to hear about bowl games and all that. However, we'll talk about it. You have six games left. You have six more opportunities. You have to win four of them. You have four home games to close out the year. You have two road games before that, though. And not just road games. You have to go the furthest away from your campus, at least until Texas and Oklahoma are in the conference next year. But these two schools are the furthest away from your conference, I mean, from your campus, and you have to go to them back-to-back weeks. Furthest conference, conference opponents for USC. It's not easy. Never mind the fact of what their records are. So only adds that much more of a challenge to, to beat them. Fulbright again says everyone said that they were looking for more consistency at the beginning of the year. Well, their consistency is consistently bad on defense, and the offense is consistently better. Yeah, the offense has been making strides, and I think, too, what Dal Loggins is doing, and I have to, I give him a lot of credit because, again, you see the issues they had week one with the offensive line. He's been able to make adjustments to that on the fly. And I think one thing that really stands out to me about Dal is he doesn't force things in the sense of how we saw Marcus Satterfield try to do certain things from an offensive standpoint, not just last year, but for the last two years before he left, where it was, man, I really want to be able to run X, Y, Z. You know, I want to run these plays. You know, the comparison that I've made before, want to make a filet mignon in the kitchen, but you only have fruity pebbles and I don't know, some milk. You have to be able to work with what you have. You can't go out there and just try to make something happen if you don't have those pieces. And I think Dow has done a really nice job with that. Now, again, to use Dow's um, quote, Rattlers like spaghetti sauce. He's able to cover up a lot of the issues that they have. So we'll see how things are moving forward. Once Rattler is not here anymore, but at least for right now, I've given, I give Dow a lot of credit. Um, Batman says we keep allowing too many explosive plays. Yeah. And again, some of that has to do with the fact that when you're sending pressures, when you're sending blitzes and you're not able to get to the quarterback, especially when you're playing zero coverage, you're going to get exposed at some point. So that's why. I tend to feel that if you want to send some of these blitzes, that's great, but help your secondary out. At some point, you have to make some type of adjustment. Do more zone. Do more zone. That's what I would say to that. Still, Curtin says, hope they keep Ba starting at right guard and start Ja'Kai Moore at right tackle. Offense got to keep scoring points, building off of what they did last week. Erlen says, yeah, I agree with you, Steel Curtin. Erlen again. Definitely don't trust Keenan Nelson to play at nickel. Hate that Spalding can't stay healthy. And that's the other thing, too. I talked to a lot about Spalding. He's has had issues with staying healthy, especially this year. Um, but he's someone that, again, 
it's not just him. It's when you're talking about just the secondary as a whole, trying to figure out who can be that nickel for him. Injuries don't help. That's for sure. Uh, Lynn says we could have Deion Sanders and Stephon Gilmore in coverage. And if you don't give the quarterback enough time, he can pick them apart. Yeah. If you give him enough time, he'll be able to do stuff to you. Lynn. Justin says, felt like they found something on offense with the O-line changes. Hopefully we can maintain that. Again, pointing back to what Dal mentioned with the run game, and that being a big reason why they decided to make the changes that they did coming out of the bye week, once you're able to get the run game going, it opens up so much more. Because as we saw as the game went on, Florida had to respect the run game. Tennessee didn't respect your run game. Now, it's a little different, and I don't know where they're at right now, but at least heading into the USC game, Tennessee was ranked first in the country in sacks per game. But Tennessee didn't respect your rushing attack, which is why they dropped an extra guy back into coverage and out of the box. Florida, they had to respect your run game, and they put an extra guy up in the box, and that opened up the passing lanes for Rattler. Justin says you can tell Dial did not want to do the interview the other day. I give Marcellus as well as every player credit coming in there. I mean, it's tough, especially when you know, again, like I said, you can try to avoid it on your phone, but you know what's being said about you. You know what's being said about your team and your coaches. It stinks. It's a tough situation to be in. No one wants to do that stuff. But at the same time, too, it's part of playing big boy football. Part about playing big boy football. If not, go to a smaller school. And I'm not saying that directed at Marcellus because I thought Mar- Marcellus did a great job with handling everything. And it shows maturity and it shows just another level of, of, of being a leader, which they certainly need leadership to continue to step up during times of adversity. Erlen says, just whatever you do, don't let Fugar start. We'll have to wait and see. Again, if Vershawn Lee is not able to go, we'll see who will get the start at right tackle. Justin Thomas says, I don't like to talk bad about players, but Erlen is 100% correct. It's all right. I think, look, it's not just the fact that we're in this world of NIL, and certainly not every player is getting paid the same, but I think it's it's all right, and I, I try to remind people that. Yeah, this isn't the NFL, but at the same time, too, this is SEC football. It's okay to call a spade a spade. Again, I've been very high on DQ Smith, and I think he's going to bounce back at some point. But it's okay to say, like the other night, you know, DQ's coming off the edge, and he wasn't able to keep contain. And the Florida quarterback got to the outside and put pressure on Nick Eamon worried to have to do a little bit more. And Florida was able to convert on fourth and 10. It's okay to talk about these things. You know, people aren't stupid. People can see what, what's going on with their eyes. It's okay to talk about it that way. So, yeah, I have no issues with it. I think, again, it's just the reality of it. Call a spade a spade. There's a difference between calling a spade a spade and then just absolutely trashing someone for uh, just going overboard with it if you know what I'm talking about. Ryan says, have you guys seen the SEC short spotlight on South Carolina? I'm not going to lie. It was pretty funny. I'm sure that not everyone in the ops building felt that way today if they saw that. But um, if you haven't had a chance, check that out. 
I always enjoy watching the SEC shorts each week. So we got a bonus one this week. One today just dedicated to the Gamecocks. It was, um, again, I found it funny, but it's funny in the sense that um, you feel the pain through it all. If you're a Gamecock fan, I understand. I understand how you're smiling through the tears you're watching that seal curtain says for sure until fugar starts to play better i don't trust him i think keeping trey jones at left guard is a good move and blocking and running blocking looks good we were starting uh batman goes we're getting multiple third and tens and then allow some 50 yard plays yeah and it's not and i'll have to go back batman but the other thing too is getting in situations like that even second and ten there haven't been that many. And the reason why is because South Carolina is struggling to create tackles for a loss. They're, they're struggling to be able to get their opponent to play behind the sticks. So that's something that needs to change this weekend. But obviously, as we know from this past week in fourth and 10, it didn't make a difference. You need to find a way to get off the field, regardless of those downs, but especially if you're in a situation like the one that you just mentioned. Trying to say your name. Is it Ghostamos? Probably butchered that like crazy, but you say what the team really needs is a Slim Jim sponsor. Oh, macho man, Randy Savage, elbow dropping the opposing quarterback out of the sky would make the crowd lose its mind. I'll tell you what else would lose, uh, would, would help people lose their minds. They're able to get some stops, create some turnovers, create some sacks, create some TFLs. I think that would get Gamecock fans going too, but. Man, Macho Man, oh yeah. Like, I didn't think I was going to see a Macho Man reference day on the show, but we'll take it. Robert, Doug Hill says, pray for Saturday. I think we will be okay. Again, if they're able to get some stops defensively, and I know that's a big if, and if the offense is able to carry that momentum that they created from this past game, you got to like the fact that, again, USC's offense has shown signs of improvements. And I, I get it that against Tennessee, they took a couple steps back that game, but you're, you're going up against one of the better fronts in the country. Like I mentioned, Tennessee heading into that game, and I'll check real quick. Got to get going shortly here. Shooting a Garnet Truss ad with former Gamecock Patrick DeMarco shortly. Let's check that out. Sacks. I believe Tennessee's still first. So they are third right now. Four sacks a game. And the two teams that have more sacks in them are Penn State. They have three more sacks. And then you have Texas A&M, who has five more sacks. They have 29, but they've also played one more game than Penn State and Tennessee. Ryan goes, I agree. It was funny. Yeah, any publicity is good publicity, as they say. Yeah, the SEC shorts was hilarious. Definitely smiling through the, t the tears. But at least we're smiling. Batman says, Missouri's overlooking South Carolina. I, I will say this, and then we'll, we'll wrap up the show. What I... I'm hoping for 
is that with Missouri having a bye next week, and then after the bye week they play Georgia, and if you follow just the SEC as a whole, not just following the Gamecocks, with the news about Brock Bowers being out, which could be the remainder of the year, uh, unless there's some type of miracle and he's able to come back, depending on how deep Georgia is able to make a playoff push. But the hope is that Missouri starts to look ahead a little bit. That, okay, with what they've been able to do so far this season, that they're going to maybe come out and be a little flat. They're six and one. You got the bye week after this. You got Georgia the following week. Maybe they come out a little flat. Now that's wishful thinking. But um, if you're South Carolina, you'll take anything you can get this weekend. Uh, One thing, too, I want to add before we hit the ad reads and wrap the show up. South Carolina is going to be flying in to Columbia this weekend. Columbia, Missouri, that is. The reason I bring that up is because two years ago, they flew into St. Louis, and then they had to drive the, I think it's two hours, four minutes, something like that. So I bring that up because when you're talking about trying to find some type of routine, and obviously with the home games for South Carolina, they stay at a hotel. They try to have a similar routine. Having to do the two-hour-plus ride when you fly in there, it's it can throw things off a little bit. You want to try to make things as normal as possible. So it's one of those small little details, and certainly that doesn't make the difference between South Carolina scoring or getting a stop or whatever the case may be. But it can't hurt. It can't hurt, that's for sure. Going to read some ads, and then we will call it a day. Uh, This show, as it always is, as well as all our GC Live shows, sponsored by our good friend Clint Hammond over at the Movement Mortgage. If you are interested in purchasing a home, or maybe you're thinking about trying to get one in the next couple months, trying to figure out the best rates, and if you've been trying to buy a home the last couple months, even going back to the last year, you know that has not been the easiest thing to do, trying to find a low rate. Well, give Clint a call. Same way that our very own Wes Mitchell and former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth did. They went to Clint, and Clinton was able to help them out the same way that he can help you. So give him a call at 803-771-6933. Tell him that Gamecock Central sent you. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax season is still a couple months away, but it's never too early to start putting a plan in place. And if you call Liberty Tax, they can help you get organized. You know, make things a heck of a lot easier come springtime when tax season rolls around. Give them a call to be able to overcome that taxiety at 803-462-5576. Last soundbite, and then we'll wrap up the show. Wanted to play this one soundbite from Clayton White. So this is Jordan Kay, new reporter at the state newspaper. We'll play this and then we'll wrap up the show. But talking about pressures, because, again, trying to make adjustments, figure out, okay, what makes sense and all that. Listen to what Clayton had to say as far as pressures go. Oh, thank you. Um, 
when when you're calling pressures like you guys were and coach Beamer was talking, hey, we just need to get someone, you know, to to get get home. But when it's not getting home is like do you have to adjust how you're calling it and not bring as many or do you just kind of have to sit back and trust your guys that eventually it, it is going to come? It's a good question. Uh, what you're saying is basically if the pressure is not getting there on time, and to me, it, you can't ask the DB to cover so long. So you want the pressures to get there. Yes, you do. And then the pressures aren't getting there, so you back off and then you, you try to add another guy in coverage. So, But it, it definitely affects how you call the game for sure. But you have to feel that in the moment of the game, not, not after the game on Sunday morning. All right. There you go. I'll leave you guys off. On that note, again, appreciate everyone that tuned in today. If you missed any of our program, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page. You can watch this show in its entirety there. Or if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can catch this show in every Gamecock Central show, as well as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour on 107.5 The Game. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. If you're heading out to Missouri like I will be, I'll be leaving there, leaving tomorrow. I uh, hope I got, I hope I see you guys out there and uh, just have safe travels. Saw something pop up on my screen. Didn't know what that was, but safe travels out there. Enjoy the game this weekend. We'll see if South Carolina is able to pull off the upset and get back to closer to 500. Still a ways to go. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. And again, thoughts and prayers to the Tommy Moody family and everyone affected by the sudden passing of that Gamecock legend. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.